The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, Episode 6. Thanks for joining us. Set the scene as we always do. We are here at 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove at The Place. Yes, that's The Place Cigar Lounge. The Place is your place for cigars, and you're in the perfect place for cigars and Chicago sports. Please make sure that you are following us on Twitter at Cigars and sports. Um, I am smoking, by the way, I'm going to bring in Phil, but I am smoking tonight the world famous Fuente Fuente Opus X. Um, one of the world's most well known cigars, you know, one of the world's most expensive cigars as well, but you know what? It's worth it. We're coming off an unbelievable Bears win. And by the way, Phil, before I bring you in, I want to talk about a variety of things that we're going to be uh, discussing tonight because we have a packed agenda including bears, past, present, and future. We'll get to that. The bizarre story of the week. I'm not sure that there's really any question what that is. College football playoff, the buzzer beater bulls. We have a great cigar interview tonight with A.J. Keith of Havana Manor Cigars in Longmont, Colorado, someone I met recently. So I think we'll find her really interesting. But before we start anything, before we even introduce you, Phil, I want to give the brief baseball update. Okay, get ready. Here's the baseball update. Okay, it's over. Phil, how you doing tonight? What are you smoking? I'm doing fine. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Tonight I am going with kind of what I call, because the weather got kind of cold, so I call this like uh, comfort food. This is my comfort cigar. I'm going with a Nub Cafe. These Nub cigars are made by Oliva. They have a cafe line. These cigars come in espresso, macchiato, cappuccino, uh, single roast, double roast. So tonight I'm going with a Nub Cappuccino single roast cigar. Matches with a cup of coffee perfectly on a cold winter night. And the Nub has a very unique look to it as well. I, re- I actually really like those things. Let's talk a little Bears. First of all, a couple thoughts on the game this week. My number one thought is that the Giants absolutely suck beyond imagination. How you can lose 29-3 to to the Chicago Bears... I have no idea. And the crazy thing is, Andy Dalton, by the way, there's no reason that I can tell why he was actually starting after Foles' performance in Seattle last week. But Andy Dalton, 18 for 35, um, 173 yards, one touchdown, one interception, didn't even have a particularly good game, but somehow the Bears win. 29-3, 29-3, pretty good defensive effort, number of plays were made, and uh, before we throw it over to you for your thoughts on the game, I think we have to give uh, give a little bit of credit to uh, Robert Quinn, who broke the Bears' single-season sack record yesterday, getting his 18th sack, and interestingly, I want to give you a fun fact about Robert Quinn, because we're going to talk now for a minute, too, about your favorite player, Mike Glennon. Robert Quinn yesterday sacked Mike Glennon of the New York Giants for former Bears great Mike Glennon 
uh, for his 18th sack of the year, breaking Richard Dent's single season record. But believe it or not, although the record has since been broken in 2014, he actually, Robert Quinn actually set the Rams single season sack record with 19 sacks. And guess who he sacked in that game for his 19th sack, breaking that record, Phil? I believe he sacked a uh, Mike Lennon, if I'm not mistaken. It's a trick question that obviously you fell for it in the right way. That is correct. He sacked Mike Lennon, then of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, during his rookie year. So thoughts on the game? Well, you know, thoughts on the game, but let's back up to Robert Quinn. Uh, Congratulations. What a great accomplishment to get that many sacks and to break uh, Richard Dent's record. Uh, what I like about it is I am tired of the 85 Bears. 36 years of having to watch those clowns prance around when they won one championship. You know, maybe by breaking Richard Dent's record, and if they break a few more of those guys' records from that team, we could finally, like, take that team and put them in a storage bin in the back of your basement closet because uh, that team should have accomplished a lot more. Agree. And uh, and they didn't. So hopefully we can uh, get rid of Richard Dent and start talking about Mr. Quinn. But on the game, I, the game itself was, uh, to me, I was kind of in and out of it. I, I didn't quite get interested in it once again. As you're seeing the Bears beat a pathetic team like the Giants, it's almost a no-win situation. But, you know, back to the guy you brought up with in the beginning, Mike Lennon. Here's a guy that our vaunted general manager paid for. I believe about $45 million for a three-year contract that ended up with a 5.3 passer rating against the Chicago Bears. I mean, how pathetic is that? But, you know, backing up, how pathetic was it? We had a general manager that actually thought this guy had some NFL talent. Well, for the record, they only paid him $18 million for the great Mike Glennon because they did cut him after the first year. And by the way, not only did they cut him after the first year, if you recall... He only played four games until he was benched in favor of other Bears Hall of Famer, Mitch Trubisky, um, when he began his stellar career. But that's a pretty good point. And Mike Lennon's numbers yesterday, think about this for a minute. The guy was four for 11, 24 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions. It doesn't get a lot worse than that. Uh, No, I, I, I fully agree with you. And then... You know, to see uh, Coach Nagy obviously on his way out the door, uh, I think it's a foregone conclusion. I think he knows it because when he's pulling bullshit plays like he did at the end of the game, having Montgomery throwing uh, passes uh, that get intercepted, you know, they're the same gimmick bullshit plays he got away with in his first year as a coach, but the smarter coaches in the league figured him out, uh, but he didn't figure out how to, you know, outsmart them. And he's going back to those same gimmicks. And guess what? They didn't work yesterday, and they didn't work in his career. And I think the guy should have stayed an assistant coach. I think his train came into the station. He should have never got elevated to a head coach. Well, the fact that you pointed that out, that was a big takeaway for me in this game. And it seems funny that we're ranting um, again after a win, if you want to call it that. Although... You know, by the way, it could be worse. We could be the Giants. I don't know if you know this, but they've lost at least 10 games, seven of the last eight years, so not not very good. But, yeah, WTF, Matt Nagy throwing 
that bizarre jump pass. It was a wildcat jump pass by David Montgomery that fell probably, you know, five feet short. He was throwing it to Cole Komet. What was he doing? And then they all go to the sidelines and they're laughing about it. Who the hell are the Bears to be laughing at another team? It was almost bad sportsmanship. I believe it was two minutes left and he's throwing some weird halfback wildcat option. I mean, I, give me I don't, a break. I don't know if they're, yeah, I don't know if they're laughing at the other team and they're laughing at their coach, but they shouldn't be laughing about anything that they performed with this season. I think they should show a little humility and probably so probably wish that the season would have ended yesterday, but it didn't. So I just hope they can get through next week without any more embarrassment. Well, I think it's part of also the FU moves by Matt Nagy here, because take a look at it. So he's got, you know, 40-year-old Jason Peters, who has been good this year, I understand. Is Jason Peters part of the future? Are you kidding me? I mean, play Tevin Jenkins. That's why we draft. We traded up to draft this guy in the second round, and he's on the bench in favor of Jason Peters in a meaningless game. Why was Andy Dalton starting? You know, if anything, if you were going to start either Dalton or Foles, if Fields really is hurt, and I'm not sure that he is, then why wouldn't you have started Foles? I mean, he's got obviously some issue with Foles. I'm not, I'm not defending Foles. I just thought it was weird that, that Dalton started. And if you take a look at all the veterans that he is playing and all the other, I mean, he plays Artie Burns instead of Thomas Graham. You know, he's playing all of these veteran players and putting the young guys on the bench. You know what that tells me about who's going to be starting a quarterback for Matt Nagy's final game on Sunday. Give a guess to that one. Right. It'll be Justin Fields. I I, I don't think it's. No, it will not it be Justin will Fields. Be, it will be Andy Dalton. No, it'll be, it will be Andy Dalton. Ju- Justin Fields is starting next Sunday. Mark my word on that. And which I, know, I which I, I think, think is that, a horrible idea. That guy needs to be he needs to be shut down for the year. If he's your future and he needs another year or two to see if he's going to prove out, shut that guy down. But I got a feeling Nagy in in what you mentioned earlier in a typical exit door fu move is going to put Justin Fields out there. No, I, because I don't think he ever wanted to play Justin Fields. I think the organization made him. I mean, he was going with Andy Dalton right from the beginning, and I think he's going to go out the way he came in this year with Andy Dalton, you know, in some fantastic, uh, you know, game against the Minnesota Vikings that means absolutely nothing. They'll probably run trick plays every snap the entire game, probably punt on second down. I mean, who knows? Where well, I agree with you that he didn't want him, that management wanted him in there, and that's why I think he's going to stick it to the management. He's going to say, he's your guy, you wanted him, here you go. You can have him. And he's going to, I think he's going to okay. embarrass him. Okay, it's crystal ball time. The Bulls are up 45-40 in the uh, in the second quarter, so they're obviously going to win like they do every night. They've won eight in a row. They're unbelievable. Um, but, all right, so next Monday is what is called in the NFL Black Monday, the Monday after the final games on Sunday. It is a little bit interesting because the college football playoff championship game is also next Monday night, but clearly the bears are going to have announcements to make next Monday morning. So I'll give you my take, but Phil, what is your prediction of what the bears will announce next Monday, assuming that they're going to have an announcement. So this is a two pronged effort here that we want from you. One is what do you think they should do? 
But the other one is, what do you predict that they will do? What they should do, Nagy and Pace are gone together. What they will do is Nagy will be gone, and I think Pace is going to hang around for some ungodly reason. He's got a seven-year track record of mediocrity at best. At best, he's made horrible moves as a GM. I think they both should be showing the door at the same time. Well, here's what I think, and it's very similar. Clearly, Negi is gone. And if you've watched any of Negi's recent press availabilities, it appears pretty clear to me that they've either told him already that he's gone or he assumes that he's gone. He's got a whole different attitude right now. He's got this chip on his shoulder. And, you know, I mean, obviously, he's in a difficult spot. I'm not saying that it. It's not his fault. And by the way, I'm sure he's a very nice guy. He's got four kids. He's a, I don't wish anything bad upon him. He has just been an unsuccessful football coach. What I believe will happen is that next Monday, they're going to step to the mic. They're going to get rid of Negi, And they are going to announce a whole bunch of organizational changes. They're going to retain Ryan Pace. Whatever they retain him as, they will still call him the general manager. And I think that they're going to hire some sort of director of football operations or president of football operations or something. I think they're going to make an announcement that they're going to hire another football guy. And then Pace will continue to be with the organization in the background somewhere, doing something, player personnel, whatever the case may be. Whatever he does, they're going to still call him the general manager. And then we will have another phase after the Super Bowl where they will announce whoever this head of football operations is going to be. But I'm at the point now where I actually think I would be surprised if they get rid of Pace. Well, you know, with the Bears, nothing will surprise me. The only thing that they will be consistent in, they will do a move and or make moves that will be unlike any other NFL teams makes their front office moves. So the oddness of what they'll do, we will all be scratching our head in about a month, month and a half after the Super Bowl, just saying to each other, what did they just do? Because they will do something that no other NFL teams do. Well, it could be worse. The Jacksonville Jaguars lost yesterday 50-3. to If you saw that to the Patriots, that's hard to do. That's, that's, really that's a tough to beat do. down there. The Giants lost 29-3, to as we said, to the Chicago Bears. Um, there, are some, there are a few bad teams out there. Actually, the Jets represented pretty well yesterday against Tampa Bay. They, they had a lead in the, in the second half, and that quarterback's been a little better the last two or three games. But there are some bad teams. But unlike you, who says, well, at least we're not the worst at something, I actually aspire to win a championship. Right. So, um, it, it's, Well, the Bears, the so Bears winning their last game isn't going to make a difference anyway since they gave away their draft pick. They don't have a first-round pick again. I believe that was for the Fields draft. So, yeah, right. The cool. Giants it, was, it was a trade-up to get right. Fields. So it's time for the bizarre story of the week, Phil. We can go back to a more normal bizarre story i think that may be an oxymoron like the camel uh, beauty pageant or something like that here next week but i think it's really important that we bring up what is this week's bizarre story of the week it's in the nfl we all saw it happen and the only thing i need to say is ab antonio brown who stripped off his clothes 
threw them into the crowd, had a big smile on his face during the game, walks across the end zone, down the tunnel, and then goes out into the parking lot to get an Uber to leave. Thoughts on Antonio Brown? If you watch the news today, you had players coming out, and you know a lot, a lot of them supported him. Um, Tom Brady certainly, you know, supported him. You got people saying that the poor guy could have mental illness, which he might. I don't know. Or, or uh, is he a spoiled, immature person that's been coddled his whole life, been told he's the best of all time his whole life, and he's having a hard time uh, taking failure? Or, uh, you know, I'm not getting the ball. You know, once again, there's only one ball on the field, and he could be one of those guys that wants it all the time, but they got to share, and he doesn't know how to share. I don't know. If he's got mental illness, I feel bad for the guy. Get some help for him. Everybody wants to go to that as their uh, go-to thing to kind of protect somebody, and he may have it and he may not. I I think that's a really fair point that you make, that he may have it or he may not. Now, i got to tell you, based on the display that that guy put on yesterday, I legitimately feel sorry for him or for anyone in his family who may care about him. But I do agree that we can't just assume that he... You know, we, we're not here to diagnose the guy. And, yeah, maybe he is just a spoiled guy. Now, he's now had four unsanctimonious exits from Pittsburgh, from the Raiders, from New England, and now from Tampa Bay. I would be shocked if he ever gets another opportunity. And I'm not even sure that he would necessarily want one. So it seems a little self-destructive that he would want things to end this way. But that is that has got to be the craziest story since Dennis Rodman taking his shoes off and laying under the basket or something. I mean, that was some crazy. Yeah, it was it definitely was a crazy thing to see. Once again, if you know, if the guy's got issues get some help for a poor guy but if it's not you know maybe it's just his fourth incident of acting like an ass who knows i I just hope once again i hope he's got problems he gets them fixed okay it's time to talk a little cigars now on cigars and sports chicago and even though it is cigars and sports chicago we're going to go out of town tonight to longmont colorado and talk to our very special guest aj keith aj how you doing I am doing well, Steve. How are you? Good. We are uh, really glad to have you on the show tonight. And I think that the first thing that certainly we need to ask you about is how are things going? And, uh, you know, you're in, as I mentioned, Longmont, which is in the Boulder area. And I know that just because a couple of weeks ago I was on a Boulder mission and uh, stopped in Havana Manor. And we'll talk about it. I was very impressed. But obviously, uh, mm-hmm. the world came to an end um, in Boulder there last week with uh, the 100-mile-an-hour winds and the uh, the flames and all that kind of stuff. I know a 1,000 houses destroyed. So, you know, first of all, how did you get through that, and how are things going over there now? You know, I'm actually I'm, – I'm very fortunate that where I live is far enough away that I was out of danger – close enough to see it all kind of unfold it is um it's a very tragic situation that something unexpected hard to plan for you know those winds were were pretty intense they took down some some lengths of power lines and so fires started in every area where those power lines kind of touched down so it was hard to contain it grew quickly you know it was it weather coming in new year's eve definitely helped a little bit to have some snow on the ground kind of helped things get contained a little bit better. But 
as that started to melt and wind picked back up the next day, we started to see some of those embers stoked a little bit. So it was, um, people were kind of on pins and needles of what's going to go on, but a lot of damage. It's going to be a long recovery. Well, it's glad to hear at least that, uh, that you're doing okay. And, uh, you know, we wish everybody, uh, everybody involved in that well, um, but if I may use your own terminology, speaking of stoked embers, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about cigars on a, a somewhat yeah. more positive note. So you work at Havana Manor and um, tell us about Havana Manor and, and what do you, you know, what does uh, Havana Manor do? Um, what makes it a great place? I mean, I was really impressed with it as a, as a cigar lounge connoisseur as well. But tell us about Havana Manor. What are the great things about it? And, uh, you know, why do people want to go there? You know, I I love Havana Manor. I was a customer long before I was an employee. It has long been one of my favorite lounges here in Colorado to spend time in. We have a great selection. We've got a lot of space. Everything is kept clean and updated. It's neat. We have a beautiful variety of cus- of customers that come through from all different walks of life. So we bring a lot of different elements into Havana Manor that you can't get from shopping online. Um, COVID has been tough. A lot of people have, you know, we've gone to this this route of doing Zooms and virtual herfs. And as much as those have kind of gotten us through, it's not the, it's not a, the same substitute as being able to sit in a room and smell what people are smoking. And it just, it, the camaraderie that comes with cigar culture is beautiful. And we really foster that. Yeah, that's that is um, so true, and you know we find that in our places in uh, Chicago as well. I mean, I noticed that yeah, you guys have uh, have terrific inventory. So here's something that I wanted to ask you, and this is I'm now going to one of my cigar and COVID scientific theories. Mm. Did you have, <laughs> and with your regular customers at Havana Manor, did you have any sort of COVID? outbreak there did you find like you know at any point that one or more of your customers at the same time got covid or whatever the case may be and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you why i'm asking this after i ask it okay you know we've had a few customers here and there who have contracted it or family members or you know one or two degrees of separation but no outbreaks no mass amounts of all of our customers at once or all of our staff or anything like that well, the reason I ask is because it is unusual because I know in our home cigar lounge, the place 5236, uh, 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois, um, where we have a the same group of guys sitting around basically, you know, every night, every day, whatever the mm-hmm. case may be, just smoking cigars. And the weirdest thing is, is no matter how bad COVID has gotten, even during this Omicron mm-hmm. period, we have never had any significant outbreak, and we have now come to the conclusion that cigar smoke <laughs> kills COVID because there is no reason. We've got 10 guys sitting in close mm-hmm. proximity in a room. It, it shouldn't happen that way. And by the way, many of them are old. So mm-hmm. why they are not getting COVID, <laughs> I just don't know. So would you say that your experience is sort of tied into that theory? I definitely have some weird theories about it that I do. I think we've got, you know, the different ventilation systems. Our air is constantly circulating. Good point. Um, I could be goofy and say that, you know, COVID can't stick to my lungs because they're already so dirty. That There's no that place for it. it to affix. I mean, I cough and hack up enough stuff that, I mean, 
nothing staying in there that doesn't want to be in there. Do you want to give us a quick demo? No, I'm just <laughs> no. <kidding. All> right. <laughs> no, I mean, I, maybe COVID just it it doesn't float beneath five feet. That's why you, you can know, take your mask off at a restaurant is because it's not down below. No, I mean, funny. all jokes aside, it is a serious thing, but there seems to be something about we've come through pretty unscathed as a business. And anybody who has contracted, they didn't get it with our group there in the shop. It was with outside people at other venues. You know, it's funny that you should mention that about the ventilation because we have talked about this so many times and we have never once even gone down that road. And obviously, you know, all these cigar places are hopefully all of them have really great um, ventilation systems. And that probably does have something to do with it. Mm. And it's funny because when uh, when we were in Havana Manor a couple of weeks ago, I actually noticed that, meaning that I was commenting to my buddy, this place has a really, really good and quiet ventilation mm-hmm. system. Because that's the other problem, too, is when you're sitting around trying to talk, you know, watch football games or whatever the case may be, it really sucks when the uh, ventilation system is mm-hmm. loud, as it is in, in some of these places. So you mentioned that you, uh, you know, you got into this because you're a customer, and you've already mentioned the poor quality of your lungs. So uh, <laughs> I assume that you are a cigar smoker is that true i am so tell us you know what are your preferences and one of the things that you need to know that we really get into here on uh, cigars and sports chicago are as the topic of women and cigars because as you know women very uh, underrepresented group if you will to use mm-hmm. a modern term in the uh, cigar community so tell us a little bit about how did you get involved in smoking cigars you know why do you love it and uh you know, you know, what do you, what do you prefer? You know, I had always wanted to get into it. I always had an interest. I was never a cigarette smoker, but there was always something that was very appealing about cigars. I didn't really have any guy friends who smoked cigars. I started dating a gentleman who very much is into cigars. And so he bought my first one for me and it was kind of off to the races from that point. Um, I started going to different shops, talking to the people who worked there, getting recommendations, just it's it's nice being a beginner because it's so much trial and error and you don't have anything set in your mind of, oh, this brand is terrible. No one I know likes that, so I won't like it either. You don't have any of that in your head. You you just – you can pick based on the pictures of this looks interesting and then you start to learn from there and grow of, okay, what did I like about this or what did I not like? And then you you have better questions when you ask for those recommendations and I just started to build on that – on my own knowledge and my own taste. So what is your uh, go-to cigar? You know, if you got one or let's say you're going to the electric chair, you only get to smoke, just kidding, you only get to smoke one more cigar. What is it for you and why? You know, I love Liga Nines from Drew Estate. That is probably my favorite smoke. It is, it's great for a special occasion and it's a wonderful everyday cigar. I could smoke those all the time. That it's, Tell us um, about them. Why do you like them? You know, describe it for us. It give is a, definitely. Give us the it's it's a fuller bodied cigar. I um I tend to end up on that end of the spectrum. There's a few Connecticut's that I do really like, but I have found that the longer I've smoked cigars, a lot of the lighter stuff is a little more like air for me and I want a little more flavor. So I go towards the fuller end of the spectrum and this is definitely a fuller cigar, but it's not spicy. Um there are some cigars that I I don't get as heavy into like the Corojo tobaccos because they're too spicy. They're too peppery, but I still like full. So this has, it's a nice happy medium for me. 
Um, it's kind of a secret blend based on Drew Estate. I couldn't tell you exactly what's in it, and I don't even need to know. I just know that if they're there, I will buy them. That's great. That's that's really good to hear. And you, you uh, give quite a testimony there. I do. I've found like Drew State seems to be my go-to brand. I, I can't say I've smoked anything from them I didn't enjoy. Um, and they just they have so many things that run the spectrum. I mean, back to what I was saying as far as lighter things. I mean, their Shade Connecticut is still one of my favorite Connecticut's. And I always pull the best long ashes from those. They're great for wow. that. Versus going all the way, you know, to the other end, they've got a Norteno that's a San Andreas wrapper with Honduran inside. Totally different from a Shade Connecticut. Both spectacular cigars. That sounds great. And Long Ashes is potentially a really good band name um, for the next <laughs> band that I'm owning. So, you know, I mentioned the women in cigars being uh, underrepresented. Do you know um, women cigar smokers? And, uh, you know, do you have some that come in the shop there? And, you know, what do you find about women and, you know, women and cigars and maybe why they're underrepresented? And just, just give, us a, give us some insight on women and cigars. You know, I've I've got a few friends here and there that I've made through different walks of life. Some of them will smoke sort of, I don't want to call them girly cigars, but they will. Um, a little more on the heavy, flavored. on the flavored, the flavored stuff. Um, and I hate to say it that way, but I think part of it, it kind of trails into the issues with women in smoking cigars is we get profiled a lot. Um, I hate when I go into a cigar shop and I ask for a recommendation and they walk me over and hand me a chocolate raspberry. And I'm like, why'd you pick that? And they're like, well, cause you're a female. And I'm like, that's a terrible answer. You should never answer that question that way again. Like have a, have like, a real way, like, reason why you offered it. Not just it, because I'm a girl. It's like that. Um, it's like that Tito's vodka commercial where you hear it, where he says, "We started out making flavored vodka, but now we only make vodka flavored vodka, and that's why we're successful." <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So, but do but you, no, do you so have I, women that come in the shop? I do. There are some women that come in. We've got a couple of regulars that'll come in on their own. Some that come in with their husbands. Um, my coworker Melissa is a spectacular cigar resource, and she and I have very similar flavor profiles. So if she likes it, I'll usually give it a try. So it's kind of nice to have a cigar buddy, and um, and I've got that with her. I call her Mom Lissa because she's amazing and she could answer any question about anything. So wow. I definitely lean on her for a lot of recommendations. But no, we we have a, a decent amount of female customers that come into the shop. And I think part of that is um, the majority of those of us that work on the cigar side there on of Havana Manor, um, we're all women. For a long time, it was me, it was Melissa, and then we had another two women that worked over there. So women sales reps outweighed the men. Yeah. So it, that in itself brings women customers in. It It's something – it's a comfortable factor. It's that they can ask a question and not have somebody – be like, why are you here? This is a man's world. Yeah, well, we find in our place that, uh, you know, most of the women co that come in, you know, come in with their husbands. We have maybe mm. one or two independents, as we call them. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, sort of learned it, you know, through their husband or significant other, or whatever the case may be. So Havana Manor and being that, you know, you work in a uh, in a cigar place, you must have – 
a crazy, or as we call it here on Cigars of Sports Chicago, bizarre story or two. You have to, you know, you must have some, some nuts walk in. You must have, you know, you must have had a drunk or two walk in over time. So, you know, what do you got for us? Give us your best story when you were working at Havana Manor and you had to really, you know, get things figured out. I have had a few people. We've had some issues with random people who try to steal and it's the, it's the strangest thing because there. You would think it'd be easy enough to steal a cigar. They're small. They're thin. I don't know what goes through people's heads. They, we had one gentleman who took a look around. No one was at the register. So what's he grab? He grabs a CRA variety pack that's like a $300 pack of cigars and walks out the door with it as if we're not on camera. Like there was no attempt <laughs> to even hide it. And then we call him because we know who he is. He's a regular customer. And we're like, hey, come come back and pay for that. Says he didn't steal it, sends his son in to pay for it, and then never comes back. Right. And then, of course, that was the last time you saw him. You know, right. when, I, um, when I knock over a gas station or something, I tend you know, not to go back there afterwards. So right. I could understand that. You know. I, I think the best would be the gentleman in the, in the poofy winter coat who was just filling his sleeves yeah. until they fell out of his sleeves. It's like... I don't know. It's there's no good way to steal, but there's certainly a a wrong way. I, that, I mean, that is uh, that's pretty good. No, I don't know. no drunks, we, no no like crazy people, no drunks, no you know, none of that. I've never had any negative run-ins with people and their alcohol. I do yep. end up getting tipped in alcohol more than I get tipped in cash. We're a, yeah. we're a bring your own friendly establishment because we can't sell alcohol. Yep. So you're welcome to bring it in. And more often than not, I'll have customers on their way out. Hey, I left you some beers in the fridge, and I'm like, thanks, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> appreciate I'll it. Pack them up on the way out. <laughs> So what are yeah. um, some of the trends that you're seeing in the industry right now? Kind of what's selling, what's not, you know, what's going on in the cigar industry from, you know, kind of the angle that you see it on a day-to-day basis? You know, our our shop is an interesting mix of trends. We are a very heavy store for my father and for Drew Estate. Those are probably the two brands we sell the most of. But then we have a lot of customers that are regular Padron smokers or that always come in for Fuente. I mean, we just came out of Christmas season. Um, That's when we bring in the Anejos and the Sharks. So we get people who come in at different times of year. So different things will trend at different points. Um, We try to bring in smaller boutique brands, things like Black Label Trading Company that are kind of on the rise and are growing. We just brought in... A nice offering from Steve Saka sat down with the guys at Cornell and Deal, and they did a whole line of cigars with pipe tobacco, which is an interesting kind of crossover yeah. product. Wow. Um, and and they're and I've tried a couple of them, and they're spectacular. I definitely you guys get sell that. pipe tobacco as well. We do, and so I definitely um I like the aromatic nature of pipe tobacco. I haven't smoked a pipe. I don't have the patience for that, but it sure smells nice. So it was really nice to bring in these pipe tobacco cigars because now I kind of get the best of both worlds. So different things will trend differently for us. I mean, the things that kind of seem to stick around that we'd like to get rid of are things like fighting with the FDA, um, taxes being increased. I mean, Colorado's on trend. They were saying over the next decade to be at almost a thousand percent tax rate. So those things, 
are things that are always an issue. But as far as cigars and different brands that come in, it just it, it kind of varies throughout the year for us. Um, we try to keep up with what's been rated number one. We try to keep those things in stock. Um, have what people want. So this is Cigars and Sports Chicago, um, even though you're the uh, Colorado edition tonight. <laughs> so are you, uh, are you a sports fan? Do you follow the NFL? What do you follow? Any, any sports for you? You know, I don't have a particular team that I follow, but I understand the rules of all of them. And I don't mind watching. Um, I even owned a couple Mike Vick jerseys when I was in college. Oh. I liked him. Um, but no, go balls, balls. It's great. Yeah, touchdown. <laughs> okay, so so we've so we've pretty much got your sports knowledge figured yeah. out right there. Yep. So uh, AJ Keith Havana Manor, if anyone wants to get in touch with you or get in touch with the store, where can we find you on the web, on social media, or whatever you would like to share right now? You know, we definitely Havana Manor is on Instagram. We have a Facebook, and then always just Main Street Longmont. We are the only cigar shop in town. We're easy to find. Yeah, it's a great place. I can tell you firsthand. Um, I had a really good time there. Actually, I got to see the horrific uh, Chicago Bears lose there on a Monday night a couple of weeks ago. Um, wherever I am, they they normally lose, but you know it was interesting. <laughs> so, uh, AJ, thanks so much for being with us, and uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. It was great. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed this. Next subject college football playoff. And I'd like to start out by saying uh, I did not get cute in my uh, wagering for the college football playoffs. I bet on Alabama minus 13 and a half, won that. And I bet on Georgia minus eight. I did not buy the Michigan hype. I won that. Um, So it obviously went as I had planned. Let's break those games down. Kind of interesting because I was today before driving back at the University of Cincinnati at a function with my son. So I actually saw few uh, football players who I guess were, uh, you know, coming back to school, milling around over there. But what did you think of the the, uh, Alabama-Cincinnati game? Well, you know, breaking down the two games, obviously the two best teams won the games. What I wanted to touch on was... College football playoffs, I think, might have a problem. And, you know, this is my observations. My observations are it's getting quite obvious to me that the best high school players in the nation as a whole are going to SEC schools. So these other schools in the country and these other conferences, at least as it's been lately, don't have a chance. The national championship game, they should just take the conference title game from the SEC and take the winner of that game and put them in the title game and let the other teams play in to play that team. You know, you're going to have SEC teams. If you have one with an undefeated record and one with one loss who loses to the one with undefeated, all the other schools got two losses. So you're always going to have two teams that are probably going to be the two best in the country. And I just think these playoffs, and even if you expand them, between these players with the transfer portals now, they can transfer and not have to sit out a year. You're going to see players that are got pretty good by after their freshman, sophomore year, saying, I'm going to go to an SEC school, make them even better, and they're going to transfer. Then you got no-shows for these for these uh, bowl games. You know, you've got to start. What if you're the starting quarterback for Alabama, you're projected to be the number one pick in the NFL draft? This kid's going to decide not to play. I'm sorry, these players are just not playing in these games. So I think college football playoffs in the future has a problem. So you make some interesting points there, and yeah, I mean, the SEC is obviously so dominant, and really, it's about 
you know, kind of the point that you're making. It's about talent level because you knew that Alabama, that Cincinnati was not going to be able to compete with Alabama. And I got to be honest with you, if you look at that game plan and how they basically only ran the ball, they got the Heisman Trophy winning you know, quarterback and they basically ran the ball the whole night. I just think that Saban wanted to keep the score down, and I, I am not kidding. I think that they had, in case something un- unpredictable happened, they had plan B if they needed it, and they could you know, score a bunch of points. But I think they were taking it easy on Cincinnati. I actually believe that, which is why I don't want to be fooled um, you know, on this, you know, on the championship game. We'll talk well, about then you that. look at Georgia. And, I mean, Georgia put a beat down on Michigan. And you know, Michigan was the best of the Big Ten. Michigan beat Ohio State, and then you stick that team in against an SEC team. They didn't even belong in that game. They were embar- That was an embarrassment, them being in that game. I actually think... That Michigan, and I'm curious as to what your thoughts are, I actually think Michigan looked more outclassed than Cincinnati did. It looked like a college versus a middle school or something. They were just outclassed. And I figured, you know, in analyzing the game from a betting standpoint, my thought was, well, how is Michigan going to score against that defense? I mean, basically all... 11 starters are going to play in the NFL. So, and and that's really what played out. They just couldn't score. But I mean, didn't you think they looked more outclassed than Cincinnati did? Well, in their game? certainly they did. But like you said, maybe Alabama just pulled it back a little and uh, kept the embarrassment level down for Cincinnati. I don't know. Uh, they had complete control of that game the whole time. There was no, it wasn't even a factor that they were going to lose that game. But you know, back to what I'm saying about these these conferences. These players go to the SEC schools because the SEC has proven to be an NFL factory. These players want to play in the NFL or have a chance at it. And then if they don't go to SEC school, because maybe they didn't get, they couldn't make the cut at Alabama or Georgia, so then they end up in Notre Dame or Michigan or Ohio State or any other big program. And maybe after their freshman sophomore year, they really shine. And now you got a Nick Saban calling. Maybe a guy gets injured or somebody wants you. Now they could transfer without sitting out. They're going to leave those schools. I'm telling you, I think down the road in the next two, three years, they're going to have a problem because I have zero interest in watching those games going forward. I'll watch the, I'll watch that championship game. But going forward, those playoff games, are uh, to me, those two games were a joke. Well, if you think about it, they're always a joke. They seem to always be blowouts, which also I came away with another conclusion, which is that we do not need to expand the playoffs to eight teams or 12 teams because in the end, you're just going to have the same teams that were in the SEC championship game. Who in the hell was going to beat any of, you know, either Georgia or Alabama? As far as I'm concerned, nobody. You know, one thing you did mention was about the guys sitting out. And, you know, there were several guys that sat out in bowl games. By the way, no one is going to sit out in the playoffs. Like in the playoffs or the championship game, I don't care what, you will never have a guy sit out in those games. There never has been. There never will be. I mean, you want to be on TV. You want to be there for your, you know, you want to be there for your people. Like, no way. The games that these guys are sitting out are obviously the other bowl games, which are just, you know, which are basically glorified exhibitions. And, you know, very sad thing proved out. You probably saw that Mississippi, uh, you know, Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral um, got injured in the Fiesta Bowl 
blew out his knee, will not be ready for the draft. And you got to feel bad for that guy. He was probably going to be the second quarterback picked in the, you know, somewhere mid to lower first round. And, you know, now he's screwed up with a bad knee. So you understand why guys are sitting out? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Well, what do you think of this bowl game? So uh, Georgia's favored by two and a half. And it's interesting because I am tempted. I mean, obviously, Alabama just beat Georgia by 17 points. And I'm tempted to bet on Georgia, but I don't know. I just wonder, is Alabama going to just show up and bring the wood? They had so many close games this year. They know how to win. I'm wondering if maybe this is one of the better Alabama teams at this point because they've been able to face adversity this year. You know, What are your thoughts on that game? I kind of hear what you're saying, but boy, I'll tell you that Georgia defense I think you almost got 11 first two round NFL draft picks on that defense. That's a that's a that's a good defense. You know, how Alabama beat them so soundly the last time, you know, I didn't analyze it and break down the game, but I think this game is a coin toss. I'm not sure which way I would go on the betting betting line on this. I mean, they won because Bryce Young had a great game and basically ensured himself of winning the Heisman Trophy in that game. And I'm not so sure that that couldn't happen again, but that was really the only bad game that Georgia's defense has had. I don't know that I'm ready to make a pick on that game yet because I've gone back and forth this morning. I was thinking I I was planning on betting on Georgia, and now I'm actually starting to think maybe Alabama was saving something for Georgia in that first game, and maybe they're going to come out. And I mean, it's just hard because they just beat them. And now they're a dog, so it seems very strange to bet against them, meaning Alabama. But I don't know. I think right now I'm an Alabama lean. I guess we'll see how it goes next Monday because next Monday we're going to have the ultimate time. We get the Bears situation, then I guess we'll be pregame before that before that game. You know what? So we're done with football, but no Chicago sports conversation would be complete without the discussion of DeMar DeRozan, the guy that everyone was saying in the offseason, good player, but you don't want to give up so much for him because he's 32 years old, etc., etc. DeMar DeRozan, first of all, let me give you a review. This was DeMar on Friday night. DeRozan to win it! Go! DeMar DeRozan delivers! Only to be followed by This Was DeMar on Saturday night. DeRozan, pump fake for the win. Got it again! And the buzzer! DeMar delivers again! First time in NBA history, DeMar DeRozan back-to-back three-point buzzer beaters One on Friday night, one on Saturday night, one in 2021, the next one in 2022, less than 24 hours apart. DeMar DeRozan is absolutely on fire. It's it's unbelievable. I am so excited about this Bulls team. The fact that, you know, they've won eight in a row 
and uh, you know Lonzo Ball and Caruso have both been out. Lonzo Ball came back tonight, um, got done with his uh, COVID situation. Billy Donovan's back as well. But you know, as a uh, as a bandwagon jumper, what do you think about the? Well, you know, you're right. This this DeRozan, uh, you know, his nickname being King of the Fourth. He's uh, I believe he's the Bulls' leading scorer at about 26, 27 points per game. Uh, this guy has put up 241 points in the fourth quarter. He's got a league-high 53% shooting in the fourth quarter. And uh, so that nickname, King of the Fourth, is uh, apropos. He's he's doing the job for the Bulls tonight. I think they're going for their eighth in a row, if I'm not mistaken. 13-point uh, favorites over Orlando. I don't know what the score is right now, how they're doing on covering that. But uh, the Bulls are uh, quietly uh, turning into the old Bulls. They they really are starting to get some excitement. I know my kids are talking about them. It's going to be a fun winter. Yeah, I agree. And and I'm telling you, if you would have asked me a month ago when I was still thinking this thing might be a little bit of a fluke, and you know, I, I was saying, wow, maybe they could even finish you know fourth in the East. At this point, I'm thinking. Maybe they could win the East. Maybe they could get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And maybe, you know, maybe they could get to the Finals. I mean, this team is really, really good. And one of the things that these last couple of games are proving to us, but maybe most importantly proving to them, is that they are never out of a ball game. You know, I mean, they were down significantly against Indiana and then against Washington came back and won the game you know on those on those buzzer beaters and I'm telling you this team is proving to themselves that they know how to win and it's really exciting I will tell you that uh I have tickets I have really good seats to see the Bulls first game of the year against the NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee on January 21st Friday night going to Milwaukee with uh, some friends of ours and uh, very excited to see that game and I am sure there's going to be a, a hell of a lot of Bulls fans up there and that is going to be That's really a fun exciting. a fun arena to watch a game at and you're right I think the Bulls fans are going to travel well up there um, it should it should be a great game to see I mean I'm not sure that Brooklyn and Milwaukee are going to finish ahead of the Bulls. I mean, who knows? Maybe, you know, we'll be wrong. You know, the fact that they have all their COVID out of the way early, I think, is going to play into some victories right here. It is interesting because the Nets are coming to town next week with uh, COVID man Kyrie Irving, unvaccinated, proudly unvaccinated and not able to play at home in New York is going to start playing road games. So we'll get to take a look at him against the Bulls next week. So that should be very, very exciting. So a lot of stuff going on, man. Good. It was a great weekend, a great New Year's weekend, and nothing but great sports coming up the next uh, few weeks with the national championship game. And then, of course, going into the NFL playoffs, which for me is one of the best times of the year. I love watching the pro playoffs. I think we're going to I think we're going to see some great games. One thing I thought was interesting, I was looking at the NFC outside of the Packers in the playoffs. Most of the NFC NFC teams if they play home games will be playing home games in either domes or nice weather. If you look at the AFC teams that are going to be in the playoffs, uh many of those teams you could have some uh, severe weather issues. In some of those games, which I know Steve bothers you because of your unwritten rule you'd like to see implemented, which is that every team in the NFL be playing in a dome within five years because the game is just that much better. 
you bring up um, a hell of a point, and I do love talking about domes. Now, Phil, interestingly, and I think you're aware of this, yesterday, because I was in Cincinnati, I was able to attend, although I don't really love attending football either because then you can't see the other games, but I was able to attend the Cincinnati Bengals Chiefs game, which was by far the most exciting game of the day yesterday. Um, 34-31 Bengals. There were some uh, controversial calls there at the end of the game. I don't know if you saw it, but you do bring up an interesting point about the weather, and I think that the weather situation in the NFC certainly favors the Packers. I think that'll work to the Packers' advantage. You're going to have the bye, and then every team is going to have to come into the cold. And for whatever reason, if you take a look at his numbers, Aaron Rodgers seems to be better when it's under ten than he does when it's. Well, under you look 10. at you look at the NFC after the Packers, and back to what I'm talking about the weather. You've got the Rams, the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, the 49ers, the Saints. All teams that, if they play any home playoff games, the weather will not be an issue. When you switch to AFC, you've got the Titans, you got the Chiefs, you got the Bengals, you got the Bills, you got the Patriots, all of them playing in outdoor arenas that could be affected by cold weather. So it could be, you know, two days. You got the Steelers in the hunt, you know, another outdoor team. You got the Ravens in the hunt. No, they're done. Oh, they're out already? All right. But, uh, you know, it, but you it, bring up an interesting yeah. point because I'm obsessed with football weather. You bring up a really interesting point that I had not thought of as at all. You know, then you've got the indoor Colts, and yesterday that was the shocker game and probably the biggest disappointment of the week as the Colts lose to the to the Raiders. And now, so the Colts play um, the Colts play the Jacksonville Jaguars, coming off their fifty to three loss yesterday. Um, so I don't, the Colts should not have a lot of trouble there. And then Sunday night football, we've got uh, Raiders Chargers, and the winner um, goes to the playoffs. So that should be very, very interesting. And then the Ravens and the Dolphins have basically two of the three of the Colts. I mean, the, the, the game Raiders I think every Chargers NFL, lose, any, any NFL fan would love to see, and I'm certainly the networks would love to see, would be see Tom Brady playing in Green Bay. In late January, that would be a an interesting game to see. Uh, but uh, it'll be fun to see if the stars line up for a game like that. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, right now the Packers look pretty damn good. I mean, obviously uh, they were not exactly facing a great team last night in Minnesota. Um, but, yeah, that would be a very interesting matchup. And, and they look a little shaky, the, the you know Tampa Bay now the last couple of weeks. I mean they lost that nine nothing game at home against New Orleans. Now, they won last week and then yesterday you know they were losing to the Jets in the second half. And by the way, I got some breaking news here on the podcast. Um, Antonio Brown is sitting courtside at the Memphis Grizzlies game right now. Why I'm telling you that I don't know. But with, I just have with a shirt or without. So he actually is wearing a shirt. But he has no pants tonight, which I find to be even more disturbing. That is episode six of Cigars and Sports Chicago. We've had a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll be back next week. And we should hopefully be post-Bears announcement. Uh, you know, we'll either be pre- or post-championship game. we got to let the schedule play out. We've got some exciting stuff coming on. Uh, we'll be talking a lot more about the Bulls, and we're going to start going heavy cigars. Uh, you know, start, well, obviously we did this week, but we're going to start going heavy cigars after this week as well. So thanks a lot, uh, Phil. It's been great uh, hanging out with you tonight here at the place. Glad we were able to do it. 
Yep, me too. Had a great time. See you next week. Yeah, talk to you soon. And uh, we'll try to get Antonio Brown as a guest for next week as well. And, uh, it's going to work out, but I'll give it a shot. Thanks Should very much. Be well. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Heads all empty and I don't care. So let me be down by the river. We should have to come up soon for air. Sweet blossom, come on under the willow. We can have high times if you look back. We can discover the wonders of nature. Rolling in the brushes down by the riverside.